Welcome to the No Show. My name is Andrew Edwards. My name is Tim Wade. And my name is Joe Augustine. I'm just kind of confused by my own uh, mirrored image on my computer screen right now. <laughs> uh, welcome, welcome to the No Show. And it's a kind of show that celebrates knowledge, hopefully. Uh, I, I was trying to find this word for the last year and a half, thinking about what, 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 I'm, what I would like to describe the show as. Uh, and I don't know whether it's too pretentious to say, but intellectual, I thought might mm-hmm. be a nice word. To, to, to kind of label this thing or this endeavor as anyway, a desire oh, to I'm be I'll okay. oh, <laughs> go and meet him. <laughs> well, um, I'll be back in his pants in a moment. Yes. Ah, oh, hello. Or is it curiosity? I think for me, it's more about curiosity and about looking at all angles of a story. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's what it's about. Because I, for, you know, for me, it's about keeping up to date. Yeah. Because there's that so too. much going on. Like, like you were mentioning before, there's, there's just so much happening. So it's it's like it's like getting together with a group of friends and talking about stuff you've heard about, but then learning from them about other stuff that they've heard about, and then leaving with more rounded knowledge of stuff. Hopefully, all right. <laughs> Hello, who uh, curiosity for sure? I can't see who it is. So someone's having a chat with us, but I can't see what their name is. So you can yeah. tell us who you are. Um, what, yeah. One of these days we'll figure out how to use the internet properly, and then and then you'll be sorry, guys. <laughs> Yeah, some you've got to sign in with StreamYard to have your name appear so that we can see that because we can't track that and all the different social media channels at the same time. Yeah. Um, well, I, I can't because I'm, you know, focusing on other bits. Yeah. All right. Well, so, so just for anyone who's just tuned in, so what we're going to do is we're going to talk a little bit about the news, uh, things that have been going on in the news, a bit of an update. We have a bit of a banter uh, uh, amongst us and share some ideas and perspectives and then argue with each other a little bit. And then uh, when I realize I don't really have a very good argument, I usually make some jokes to pretend that I was joking the whole time. Uh, and then we move on to the next subject swiftly. And then at some point, we'll discuss whatever our theme is for the week. And this week, it is snot. 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 Excellent. Okay. It's not that. It's free speech. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Which... You know, it's a potentially a challenging conversation to have, but I think it's an important conversation to have because there's a lot of people with a lot of opinions around free speech. And, you know, we only decided 24 hours ago that we were going to do that because our guest is down suffering from their booster shot. Um, and we were going to talk about cynicism, which is also a really cool topic. Um, but um, I think it's the right time to talk about free speech and to, to get, just to get some different perspectives on it because... I think one of the most unusual things about the three of us is that we were all born into or raised in countries and cultures where freedom of speech was an essential right and something that we grew up believing in. But we've also lived in countries and cultures where it's not a, an essential right because taking care of the whole is, more, is, is, is considered more important than individual rights. And um, I have come to respect both. I, I can see the strengths of both and the weaknesses of both. So I'm looking forward to talking about it from that perspective. And I think that's something the three of us can bring. Um, having, having said that, or having heard that, I'm just wondering if that is actually true. So, Tim, weren't you born in Malaysia and I in Singapore? Yes, but I also grew I mean, I grew up in Malaysia, but I also grew up in Australia. I mean, right. 
right, right. I'd no. had, you know, that's what I so said. We've, we've lived in the all raised. What you're saying. <laughs> yeah. 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 But it also depends on the household you're in. In some households, you have no freedom of speech. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. Anyway, moving on. Yeah. Law of the house, law of the land, law of the schoolyard. You know, this is my house, and you'll damn well do what I tell you to do, or you can get out. Except you can't yeah. get out, so you'll damn well do what I tell you to do. Oh, the yeah. good old days of parenting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just those. Our, our children, <laughs> our children are lucky. But yeah. So anyway, so look, do you want to get stuck into it? There was some windows popping on my screen, even though I closed everything. So I apologise for the noise that you just heard then. Uh, but should we get into the news that really struck a chord this week? Absolutely, man. Can't, can't wait right. to leave my uh, my useless comments on, on everything you say. Excellent. I'm looking forward to it. So before we get, so we're going to change the order a bit this week. Um, we're going to really focus on free speech up front. But before we do that, I think um, for me, the story of the week that sort of really broke and captured the world's heart was the story of the little boy in Morocco that was stuck in a well for four days. And obviously, sadly, um, he didn't make it. Um, but it was a story that I thought, you know, just really reflected the the beauty of humankind rather than the ugliness that we see. And, and we sort of unified in the grief, the hope first and then the grief, uh, finding out what happened to the story and just really feeling for the parents, especially the father. You know, it was one of those turned around for one second and um, he had to face this terrible situation. So did you guys keep a, keep an eye on that little story? Yeah, it's one of those things that I, I, I've got to admit, when I when I see something like that, I, I actually hesitate to click it. I, I you know, especially if I know how it turned out, and I'm not inclined to to delve into it too much. That's that's yeah. that's more. Yeah, I I'm a little bit similar. It came across. I noticed, um, and then I sort of saw what was happening as it was going. But I, I wasn't sort of glued to the screen or anything. But it's just, I just I feel so heartbroken for those sorts of ones that. Yeah, it's like a horror movie that I choose to avoid. But yeah, even as you're bringing it up now, I just I just feel this sadness, and yeah. just and just think about the little boy's plight and uh, it's yeah. yeah. So I've just I'm, I have a slightly different look on my face because I'm reaching up above my head, and realizing my microphone was pointed the wrong way the whole time. <sighs> the voice, the voice is back. All right, yeah. so we're going to change the order, and we're going to sort of start with the theme, which is let's talk about free speech. And this is obviously following the Joe Rogan, Spotify, Neil Young, Joni Mitchell, everybody else frenzy. All right. So I want to take us back to the beginning of this story and just sort of just remind everybody where it began and then all the different steps. And I'm going to miss some, so forgive me. But I think most people forget that this story actually started in the middle of January when 270 health experts reached out to Spotify and basically said Joe Rogan's COVID misinformation is a sociological issue of devastating proportions. So that's where it began. And then Neil Young stepped in and basically said, you can have Rogan or me, and Spotify said, thanks very much, we'll keep Rogan. Uh, the World Health Organization chief backed Neil Young, Joni Mitchell joined, then James Blunt, which I thought was rather funny, threatened to release new music. <laughs> <laughs> if Spotify didn't uh, remove Joe Rogan's post, uh, hash, the hashtag Spotify deleted started trending. Uh, Harry and Megan stepped in, and I was a bit surprised that didn't get a lot more hate. Uh, Graham Nash and then Brene Brown 
Um, I was sort of tracking some of the conversations around Brene Brown's post, and she never said, I'm going to leave Spotify because of what's going on. She said, I'm going to take a pause. And some of the comments on Instagram or Facebook, I was, and even on LinkedIn, um, I was really quite surprised by the anger and the hatred that was being expressed towards her. Uh, Spotify's stock plummeted by $2 billion. I don't know where it is now. Um, apparently the edgy appeal of Spotify's podcast has now been diminished and Joe Rogan pledges to try harder. Then um, Spotify finally spoke up and said, we, will, we, we do have rules. Um, we will not remove Joe Rogan, but we will add content advisories, which the social media platforms have been doing, I know, the last couple of years. So then in this last week, um, Spotify CEO has been speaking up and saying, we're deeply sorry, but we won't drop Joe Rogan. Uh, Neil Young told Spotify employees to leave. Um, but then India Airy, who is a star that I'm not familiar with, but uh, she basically released a compilation on Instagram and an Instagram story, so it's not available anymore, showing Joe Rogan comp- uh, repeatedly using the N-word. And he apologised again. Uh, the delete Spotify movement has been ramping up with 19% of users saying they're going to cancel or they either have or will. And a lot of the commentary is saying that these moments don't usually last, but I don't think we're, I don't think the cases in the past are necessarily relevant now. I think consumer action is ramping up and people are going to act on their thing on, on, on their ideas Personally, for me, I delete Spotify isn't something I'm considering. Um, I would recommend on the BBC, Ross Atkins did a, a, a video where he's showing lots of different perspectives, for and against. And then uh, John Stewart, who's an American, uh, former American sort of host, uh, thinks it's all an overreaction and that it's a mistake. And then beyond this story, there's a couple of other things broken. We saw um, Whoopi, Whoopi Goldberg. Uh, said something a couple of weeks ago. I've read her comments. I haven't seen them in context. I don't understand that story because I haven't had time to dig into it. But then um, Louis Thoreau is about to release a new series and he wrote this article where he talks about his struggle with amplifying extreme voices. So, like I said, I think the three of us have a unique perspective. Um, I personally am for free speech. Um, when's, when, you know, who decides what's right, what's wrong? But in a pandemic, misinformation kills people. So it's a really complex thing. And, and I found, I don't know about you guys, and I'll hand it over to you now, but I found the the passion for and against really kind of, I, I don't think I've ever heard the, the fight for free speech as strongly as I've heard it in this case. Um, I started doing some research, and obviously we only had a 24-hour period into sort of the history of free speech, and obviously most of it comes up in the American context. And, um, you know, it's a fundamental right. In the World War I and World War II, there were there were restrictions on free speech, but mostly it, it's pretty much everything, everything can go. Um, but then we live in Asia where that's not the case and we're all cooperating and doing the same thing to try and get to the end of a pandemic. So, anyway, I want to... Just hand it over to you guys. Joe, I know you've got an interesting perspective. Um, <laughs> let's get stuck in. Well, I, I was going to say I am someone who believes 
very much in free speech, the same way I'm, a, I'm someone who believes very much in a car, right? Um, a car is a tool. It, it is what it is. Uh, it gets you from point A to point B. It is inherently with its dangers as well. And while I want to defend everyone's right to drive a car, uh, some drivers shouldn't drive. And that, that's my problem with free speech, because in the defense of this general right to do everything, you've got to let the people who do damage with their cars, with their speech, do what they do as well. So I, I am not um, I, I'm not 100 uh, percent behind free speech without any kind. I, I know that kind of like uh, defeats the purpose of the idea of free, but I, I do think that speech should be available to everyone, but not without some sort of um, a, a, almost like a qualifying license uh, to, to go ahead and do it. You know, um, and there, there, there is a qualifying license if it if if what you say can create harm to another or violence towards another. Um, that that that's the the rule. Well. I mean, that, that, that low bar that's been set basically is that you can't go into a crowded hall and yell fire, right? That, that's that's yeah. the, the kind of test that is applied to, to, to free speech or you, you can say anything you want. Uh, but I think there's also this thing about the understanding of what actually free speech is about. The concept sounds like a really fun idea. You want to you pick hold of it and go, I have free speech. Uh, but people give it the meaning that they give it rather than what the actual meaning of it is. Free speech, as uh, as, you, as you talked about in terms of uh, legislation, right, is the freedom to speak against government, the freedom against uh, to speak against power uh, in a legislative sense. Uh, but it is uh, it, it is not uh, the absolution uh, from responsibility, and, and a lot of people take the idea that free speech means that because they they understood it that way, and now they want to enact it that way. So I believe in free speech because I think it believe it, it means I can say anything at all about anything. When actually the truth is, what free speech is is just protection of your speech against against authority. Hmm. So we've read, we've been reading the same research, which is which is good, and I do encourage people to read up about it because you know, and I think it was nineteen forty five or forty seven. There's a story in the US where uh, a, a member of the Ku Klux Klan was taken to court and it went to the Supreme Court, and he had the right to speak and and speak his truth. And then the the fundamental idea around free speech is it allows societies to evolve and grow, and that's that's why. We're not supposed to suppress it. We're supposed to give people the space to speak up. Well, that, that's a, a, a guy with, but a, a guy that gets 190 million downloads a month on his podcast, who's yeah. sharing misinformation around a pandemic. Well, that can harm people, right? Because if they listen to him, they can kill them. And then people, I've seen lots of people saying, "Well, you know, people should be able to make their own decisions," and he's not there for medical advice and blah blah blah. But, you know, when Trump said drink bleach, people did drink bleach, you know. So, you know, I, I think maybe the, the you know, and so the, the whole other thing is, you know, the podcast platforms are one of the last frontiers for any sort of control. Um, audio apps, which are the sort of the emerging trend, uh, they'll be the next ones. Uh, like Twitter, Twitter's having all sorts of issues around its audio because they can't sort of control what's going on there. But podcasting, you know, it's not controlled in any way, and you know we're 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 exercising our right to free speech doing this, but we're mm. all very much aware of trying to convey information and uh, following 
following scientific research where we're all looking at all different perspectives. But um, a person with a, a, view, a, a viewership that high, which is higher than um, most of the broadcast TV channels, there has to be some level of well, the information needs to be safe for the greater community, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's 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 generally the concern that that I have uh, about Joe Rogan. And I was I've actually also, you know, like like uh, in promoting this particular um, live stream, I've been talking about me going after someone who I like and I enjoy, and I think it's just wrong and what he's doing. Um, and it's not Joe Rogan. I'm just going to hold that little card against my chest for a while before I get to who that is. Uh, but but Tim, you know, I'm just thinking what what your reaction to to this, you know, as we talk about it now. What what, what do you feel about free speech? My gut feel is that there's there's got to be boundaries. There's boundaries. So the 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 fundamental one of the fundamental principles in democracy is the ability to have free speech. So it's yeah. it's predominantly linked to democracy in that sense because you're not stifled you're not allowed to say anything however there has to be some boundaries and um and then who decides the boundaries that was a question andrew was asking before and that's that's a really important one is it the people in power who define the boundaries because if it's the people in power who define the boundaries then they can define boundaries that keep them in power sort of like conversational gerrymandering but then if if it is, if it's a culture, some sort of cultural boundaries, that kind of makes some sense. But that's sort of fluid, and and then you know you ask what is culture and how is how is sort of globalization and internationalization affecting a culture? And just because if I'm from another culture, do I have the right to enact that culture's um, you know beliefs. So then it then it comes down to geographical law of the land. I mean, there's things you can say in some countries that'll get you you into significant trouble, and um, whereas in other countries you're you're you know you can wander around screeching whatever you want to say. So I I I just and then and then the definitions tend to come down to like you were talking about about doing harm. Is it is it doing any harm? And then the argument against hate speech is, you know, somebody can hate on someone, but it doesn't actually do any harm is one of the, one of the defenses uh, to hate speech. But, but then it, then it comes down to how do you define doing harm? Did it actually physically hurt someone or can they claim psychological harm or reputational harm or, um, but for me, I think more, deeper than that goes down to how is it shaping our culture and the way that our our cultural conversation unfolds going ahead? And, you know, when I was growing up um, in Malaysia, everything was quite conservative. Uh, in, in, in our family, you know, we weren't allowed to swear. We, we, we were very careful with, with I mean, you know, we, we could say say whatever, but, you know, we weren't allowed to swear. And then culturally, you know, we had to be respectful of different cultures out there. And everything else, and that's just that was that was my world. So I didn't think really anything of it. Then I went to boarding school in Australia, and and you know some of the kids in the boarding school were saying stuff about their mothers that I was frankly shocked that they would say, and I, I was just like, I would never say that about my mother, and and they were just being sort of street cred cool as a as a sort of as best a 12 or 13 year old could 
um, in trying to sort of, you know, get their, I guess, relational status and or whatever happening. But but the fact that that was even considered permissible, even in a group of thirteen-year-old boys, um, I just I just thought, yeah, I was I was just like I would never I would never say that about my mother. And then, um, but but then then and then then it's grown into this this world now where for some people, the more you swear, the more followers you get. I mean, it was always a bit like that in the eighties with sort of Eddie Murphy's humor and stuff like that. Um, you know, there's a bit of that. And then he sort of cleaned up his act a little bit and got better roles somehow. Uh, and then, although less funny, weirdly enough, uh, but then, <laughs> then, um, but you know, there's the Gary V's of the world who are sort of swearing left, right and center. And so that's, that's sort of the 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 choice of words we use from an expression perspective, and that doesn't need to be curbed or curtailed necessarily. As much as the the content and um, the direction of that content, which then the free speech argument that we've been talking about is is mostly about. It's about the content that somebody says and how it impacts or hurts uh, a group of people that 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 are in, uh, that that hear it or um that it's a, a, attacked to so they may not be the direct hearers but they are the ones that are offended by it and right now we're in a we're in a confluence i think of a free speech argument but also this 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 world of hypersensitivity and andrea you mentioned you know somebody was expressing their truth and and um and for me it's like uh, I, I've always had an issue with the, the expression of, you know, you go and express your truth because I, the reason why I have an issue with that is I, I just see it as your perspective. I, I, mm. I, and it may be true to you, but I think using the word truth, as as we tend to in the modern vernacular, somebody using their, uh, expressing their truth, I think it it says that there is truth in it. And at some point, you know, one plus one equals two. And if I go, yes, but my truth is one plus one equals five. Then it's like, well, no, that's your wrong perspective. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's the truth is one plus one equals two, uh, unless you're doing some sort of, you know, weird keynote trying to impress people. So, so I just think that um, that when we start using the word "express your truth," then then I think that becomes a defense that I can say whatever the heck I want because it's true to me until I'm convinced of a new truth. Um, yeah. So I know that's getting sort of down to syntax, but I think that the argument has got multiple circles that are coming together, and we are living in that intersection of these, this this perfect storm. So we've got cancel culture, we've got we've got hypersensitivity and and hyper hyper political correctness. Yeah. We've got the real need to be caring in in cultures. And so the caringness and the hypersensitivity are 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 at war for relevance in a sense. Or people are going, well, you know, I, I'm using this as my as that bird that sort of limps away from its nest to try and draw predators away from things it holds dear. But really, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, to to people who are really offended and really hurt by something, and and it can impact their ability to grow or 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 have a, a sense of um, freedom or something in their lives. So I just think, I think my perspective is 
there's got to be some boundaries and the discussion needs to come down to, you know, definitions and, and where we're dealing with. But the challenge, I guess, is, is those boundaries themselves because they will always be challenged. Mm-hmm. And what, you know, remember, remember back in the 80s when Madonna first sort of came onto the scene in the music video side, mm-hmm. she was the, the one that was most aggressively sexual and um and and really sort of owning her her brand and that really put her on the cutting edge of being amazing and then as a result uh but at the same time that that would have offended a lot of people or even elvis gyrating on television and the camera to be up you know i mean (laughs) you know it's it's been a long-standing discussion i guess the those examples are showing how how mass media is now coming into play mm. and with social media now it's it's the 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 voice on the edge is a lot louder than the voice in the center so is, if it, I can, is it louder okay a border around the conversation if we can right now because i i think we can take it out of legislation, right? We're not we're not going to even stay anywhere close to legislation right now because I think legislation has become almost irrelevant to speech. It's it's uh, I, I think people talk about who is uh, who who the the the, the I, I can't remember who it was who said it, but he says he was someone who was a, a bit controversial and he says the people that I'm really scared of is not the government anymore. It's you. Uh, it's the audience. The audience mm-hmm. is the is the new. Uh, exec- executioner, you know, they're, the, they're the, the judge and executioner of uh, of, of what, what is what is available and what's uh, what's right to say or, or can be said. Yeah. Sorry, I interrupted yeah. you, Andrea. You were saying something. No, no, no. no. I was just uh, the, the the Madonna example was a beautiful example because here I am growing up in country Australia as a good little Catholic girl, right? Madonna comes onto the scene. She's not just singing songs and 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 more proudly sexual. She's wearing rosary beads. <laughs> Right, uh, and of course, all of us girls, we put on our rosary beads and and got our little tops from Target and looked like Madonna. Um, but she she was in completely revolutionary. But we also had the the adults around us who were just like Rah, about that. And 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 I think it's such a beautiful example of uh, when an idea's time has come, uh, and 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 it's about growth. And for 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 women, it was it was about it was a it was a new a new way of being female that was very empowering for young females because I was one of them, right? So I think that's a really great example of, you know, something that was pushed down, but um, it was it wasn't the, really the, it was battled. It was a it it was the oh, it was the battlefield. It was definitely pushed down in my community, but they didn't get me to stop wearing my rosary beads as jewelry. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. Yes, yeah, but um, so one of the one of the things that I. I think a lot of people uh, miss in this, this this particular example is um, Spotify, Spotify basically. So they were a music platform and now they've moved into a content platform and it's a different thing, content, to music, right? Um, and they're in a similar position where this, to the social media companies a few years ago when they – so they basically they don't consider themselves media. They're not broadcasters. They're not content platforms. They're – Content aggregators, their community platforms, there are lots of different descriptions. But so what the, Facebook and everybody was trying to do was fight against their responsibility for the content that was shared on their platform. And we've seen all around the world the devastation that's been created out of, off the back of that. So 
Spotify is now sitting in that space. And I think that's one of the things, I mean, the the responsibility of what you're putting out there into the world on your platform has to, like, it has to sit with you as a business if you're making money from it, right? Yeah. Um, um, by the way, I'm, I'm going to be doing along the way, I might be doing an inadvertent magic trick because I've got a green cup and I've got a green screen. So this is going to look really weird. <laughs> uh, this whole thing about responsibility is, I mean, I, I think the argument's been made already and it's been settled as in like, yeah, you know, platforms are responsible. Uh, they have to do something about it. They may not be held uh, financially responsible or, or culpable, but I, I think there's no disassociating them from, from, from their responsibilities, which is why Facebook is doing what it does right now and Twitter does what it does as well. Because I think it's been established that that's not uh, that, that 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 it's not a, an acceptable position to say that you know I'm 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 just the gallery where this art happens to be hanging, because uh, you are you are you do you do have the ability to say this is not appropriate, right? So Spotify could remove a song it doesn't want to put on the air because it decides that it's not appropriate, uh, it, it it doesn't fit community standards, uh, and so the community now has been telling you. What it feels and 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 and, and what is different, um, I, I I actually do think about this in terms of how what what real real impact uh, this story has had, because I think I think when I when I hear about uh, Spotify and I hear about hashtag uh, you know uh, delete Spotify and that movement, um, I I think of the story of the you know the the, the five frogs around the, the the pool and then the question is uh, one of them decides to to, to I, I can't remember how five of them decide to jump in I, I can't remember the the, the the analogy now but the the essence of it is to say that people can say they'll do something uh, but they probably don't and I yeah. think what Spotify is probably seeing in its back end is the numbers and I think the numbers tell you exactly what to do. Right. Uh, if Spotify was facing a real backlash in absolute numbers and to the cancellations, and it saw those numbers show up on its on its spreadsheet in the back end, uh, they'd be doing a whole lot more about this. What they're seeing in the back end is people are saying all this up front, but they're doing something else. If if you if you were Spotify and you saw that people were absolutely deleting Spotify because of Joe Rogan. That decision is not going to be hard to make. You, you, you can actually do something about that. But because what you see is a recoverable situation, you see something which uh, is better than the alternative. You, you know, if, if you think about 20% of Spotify, uh, 20% of the user base you know, deleting the app and, and, and basically canceling their accounts, um, if that absolutely did happen, it'd be devastating in real financial numbers uh, to 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 the business, and it would also limit the ability of the business to try and do something about it, or, or, or try to stay, you know, like 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 still still show any kind of association. Because this this is the market telling you very very clearly that this is not the right thing, um, and what they've come up with as an alternative or or a way to fix things is now to to to, to bring themselves in line with the other social media platforms to 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 give the same kinds of um, uh, warnings, uh, and I think they've also pledged uh, the same amount of money that they spent on Joe Rogan. Now they're mm. going to spend it on um, on minority creators uh, and, and the produ- and the production of, of of that kind of material as well. So, you know, they're, they're trying to do something about it. 
But I think at the back end, uh, we we have to we have to, and and it's funny it comes back to to, to free speech. Uh, it's about people not just saying what they'll do, but doing what they say. You know, I I, I think if the, the 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 people who spoke and and said what they were going to do would actually do what they they said they would do, uh, we might have have a different uh, situation today. Yeah, that's a that's to me that's one of the next three months we'll see whether this is true, whether this is real, whether it's going to, you know, happen on a much, much bigger scale um, because, you know, there's the media sort of talking about these movements happen and then they kind of quietly disappear. But as we were talking about the trust barometer last week, um, the consumer is changing. The consumer is starting to take more responsible decisions for the businesses that they invest their money in. And, uh, you know, we've, we've seen with Meta in the last week, um, their numbers have fallen for the first time and their profits are down for the first time and all that sort of stuff. So we are in a different time. And so I reckon in the next three months, if it's going to be a real movement that really is going to act, we'll see, we'll see it. But we're, it's too early to know that for sure. I also think that we might be misattributing what all this is caused by, right? I mean, there's been a lot of stuff happening across the board in terms of the tech world, in terms of the market. It's a broad correction to the market. Uh, it's been going, or it's, I mean, in terms of business, right? It's been yeah. uh, in terms of the, the stock market. It's been overheated for such a long time. People have been 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 we're 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 flying on fumes, right? And uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're saying that it has had a, a downward impact, but I, I, I also think that it's maybe giving too much weight to some of the stuff that's happening because um, I, I, I do think that, that it's an it's a overreaction uh, by a lot of people. It's a, it, we, we tend to be, because we're such social creatures, we, 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 want, we want to be on trend with our, with our anger as well. right? So if, if everybody is upset about something, we all feel like we have to have some sort of take on it because we don't want to be the only person in the room because like uh, free speech. I'm um, sorry. What, what, what is, what is that? You know, you, you don't want to be that person, right? You want to have your view and you want to try to have the view, which is going to be more acceptable to the room. So people are borrowing, you know, what they, what they should be having. I mean, uh, you have people like Neil Young who so, so-called made the, uh, the big first move, you know, in terms of, uh, of, of being a, a musical artist, uh, who 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 took this big leap forward and what have you, um, and, and again because we like the story of it, we just said oh, there you go. There's an artist who's standing up for his rights and putting his money on the line and this and that. Uh, and then you, you read a few days later that oh yeah, well what Neil Young had done previously is he sold off half his catalog and this and that, had nine figure settlement and this and he's he's already put the money in the bank. So uh, making the political statement didn't cost him anything really, or it didn't cost him that much. Um, it, it, it's a, it's a funny thing how we try to, we, we add this again, like the, the idea of how people adapt the idea of, of free speech, right? We, we take the story, we interpret it, we think it is what it is. And then we try to, to perpetuate it from that perspective that, that, that now this is the truth. What, what I perceived as the truth, whether or not it was the truth, what I perceived as the truth is the truth moving forward. Um, and, and so you have other artists who are coming along, I, who I think are maybe making much bigger <laughs> sacrifices than Neil Young, because Neil Neil Young famously is actually pretty pretty savvy um, in terms of handling his digital rights, and uh, he's been working on that for the long longest time. Like I said, he's he's been a little bit of a, um, I, I was going to say 
a different word, but he's been adamant <laughs> about about streaming and quality of streaming and all that, and he's made a big deal of the whole thing. So, um, yeah, I think I think uh, he he he's set up a lot better to handle the storm that he set up for him that, that he sort of sort of created. He didn't, he didn't really create the storm at a cost to himself. It didn't really it, it wasn't expensive to him. Right. So um, that, that's an interesting take, but I don't know if you noticed in the last week he's also. He's taking on the boomer uh, conversation around um, the environment. Did you see that? He basically not just delete Spotify, leave Spotify, but he's also talking about all the big banks that everyone should take their money out of and move it elsewhere, especially. But he's, t- he's talking to people in his age bracket that it's time for them to do whatever they can to uh, make sure that they're doing the right thing by the next generation. So I don't know. I think he's at the beginning of a maybe it's given emboldened him into a new yeah. phase of his life as an activist for and he's targeting that generation, which, you know, he can yeah. speak to. I, there's a lot of freedom that comes with, first of all, being old, and secondly, having a lot of money to go with it, right? So uh, yeah. apparently uh, this nine-figure nine settle, uh, nine deal uh, for his music catalog, and he's old. So he's, he's not only got the grandfather on the lawn uh, factor running for him, he doesn't, he's, got, he's got a whole lot more of uh, FU money too, right? Mm. So he's got a bunch of money in the bank. Now he can really be a crazy horse. Yeah. Get off! Get off his lawn. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But so, um, in the Financial Times, um, one of the comments was, uh, "This is a presenter who is genuinely open-minded. Who, who, you know, this is Brogan, uh, of course, who seeks out all sorts of opinions rather than blindly following those of a particular tribe." And you know, that's sort of a, you know, from the Financial Times, I thought that was a kind of an interesting pers- perspective. Um, Newsweek. Uh, he's pro- he's producing content for people who want to see their own scepticism reflected. They are not going to him for medical advice. They are going to him to hear how other people think. And both of those are very valid comments. Um, and then this guy from the New York University, the notion that he has such a, a large audience being constantly confused, fed this information, it is just too much. It's harmful to our ability to, if not end, at least diminish the impacts of this pandemic as soon as possible. And to me, that's the key bit. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So so then do we go back, do we do we regard the pandemic as a, a World War One, World War Two, yeah, sort of boundary incident? Yeah. Or or at least talk about that as a boundary incident. But then does that create a precedent to 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 sort of boundary boundary eyes conversations about things that see somebody get you know Pfizer just announced that they're going to make a hundred billion dollar profit because of COVID mm. hundred billion yeah I mean that's amazing so you know amazing can, can... amazing and except they still haven't got given the rights to countries around the world to uh to their vaccines I'm not right? saying they're amazing I'm just saying that that's amazing that's an amazing <laughs> you know there's an amazing amount of money so then so as a result you know, if you create these, I mean, when people were, when, when they were coming up with the vaccines, there was, there was times where there were these, these plants in India that could produce it quickly in India that were pristine, proper plants to produce these sorts of things. And they were empty because they didn't have the rights to produce it because people were protecting their, their, you know, the hundred billion dollars. They were protecting, they, they saw that this is a, waterfall of cash this is the moment and 
And so to stop giving it away for free meant that, um, you know, they get that they make 100 billion. But the thing and, is, and yeah. we're still in a pandemic because of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so then, so then having a boundary around that could lead to that, hmm. could lead to extending the pandemic. But, but, but having the boundary around the misinformation can also get people to go, yep, fair enough, need a jab, let's go and do it. Yeah. So, the, I mean, to me, the, the, the fundamental question at the beginning, at the, at the centre of all of this is we go into a pandemic, there's a virus. We know scientists can see it, they understand it, they know what it does, eventually they make a vaccine, right? But we don't even have consistency of, of truth around scientific fact. And to me... That's it's being politicized right from the beginning. Um, yeah. But surely we should be able to go into a situation like we're in as a global society and say, this is a situation, these are the institutions that we should trust to get us through this and we should take their advice. And we haven't done that. Well, I, I was thinking about this, uh, you know, thinking about the show and, and thinking about how you talk about what is reliable, what's a reliable source. Um, and if you if you follow the advice of the reliable source, that it should lead you to a good place. Um, and and this is often brought up. And 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 I and I, I have friends who are, uh, I, I guess maybe maybe embarrassed or, or they wish this was part of their particular story. Um, but you know, if we follow the advice uh, of the WHO, circa March or about uh, February March twenty twenty, we still wouldn't be wearing masks. So uh, yeah, yeah, but well, hang on a minute. But 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 I think it's fair. I think it's fair for an organization to make a decision, the best decision they can, based on the information they have at the time, so long as they're brave enough when new information comes in to make a new decision. And I think mm, yep. they made a new decision. So we yep. can't shoot them for that because at the time that seemed to be reasonable. And then yep. they made a new decision to go, I'm sorry, that was wrong. This It's this now. Yep. Well, the, the, the point I was making is how it's, it's, it's again about the story we bring into it, right? So a lot of people, a lot of people carry the idea around with them that science is static. They, they, they think that science is something yeah. which is, uh, you know, once it is written, it is in stone, right? And they have that story with them and they apply that story to that situation. So, you know, now the scientists come along and say no masks. Uh, and then a few months later, really, literally, they, they, they figure out, yes, yes, masks. Uh, and, and, and now that story has been broken in their, in, in their mind. So they are thinking now, now, who do I trust? Because you're not, you're not being scientific Yep. Uh, and and when, when the truth is, among the scientists, it literally is this, you know, like like, like the, the world looks at, at, at people who behave scientifically right now because of the information coming in um, as people who flip-flop when really what they're doing is, okay, now I have the new information. This is the best I can do with that, as you, as you, as you were saying. Yep. So yeah, as, okay. as you're Sorry. constantly A-being, you know, uh, A-B testing along the way, you're going like, okay, now this works. So we, we, we move aside from that and we go to the next thing. Right, so that's that's the thing, and that's why that's why uh, I think there's an, again back to the analogy of the car. You know, if, if if you're not someone who can really fully understand everything you're talking about in terms of the the if you, if you're going to regard or, or speak about science and you, you don't know enough about science, it's dangerous that you start. It's dangerous that you start leading a group into a way of thinking about science, for instance, right? Which is uh, again. And a point back directly to that guy I'm going to speak about later on <laughs> in the conversation. No, you can talk about him now because we're talking about him. Talk about it now. 
Okay. Well, I've been I've been very concerned as I as I watch. I, I, I by the way, uh, and as as you as I as I as I speak about him, I love what he does. I like I like uh, I like his material. I, I love uh, what he what he represents in terms of what he is hoping for in the world, and I think it's very sincere uh, that he would like everyone to be truly free. Okay. Wait. Wait. Uh, wait. 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 So, Andrea, who do you think he's talking about? But I know who he's talking about. Oh, yeah, do you? Because she, read, she reads the WhatsApp messages, which you get as well, but you don't obviously read. Yeah. So. Oh. I don't know. I <laughs> well, you, can read. Go ahead. you can play. You can play. You can play. <laughs> oh, I, I, I don't know. For some reason, I was going to go with Tony Robbins. Oh, oh okay. No, he, well, doesn't, he doesn't share a message like that. <laughs> yeah, he's no, not, I don't know what the message not, is. Not in that category. Uh, Russell Brand. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. I did see that one. Okay, sorry. Yep. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, but, but Russell Brand's brand is sort of all over the place. Like, you know, he's a hippie well, because, one day. Because what happens is when you watch Russell day. Brand, I'm going to start by defending Russell Brand. Is, is, is okay. When you watch Russell Brand through the through the, uh, the, 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 the four or five minutes you can get through the mainstream media, you're going to get a slice of Mus Russell Brand without the uh, with him fleeks expounding what he wants to talk about. So, when 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 he's got these rather complex ideas that he's trying to put forward, uh, it doesn't always come across in that four minutes when he's trying to work it out live on on TV. So there are the occasional moments of brilliance where he manages to do it in thirty seconds, uh, but he's not as 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 um, he's not as erudite in short form, right? But he's good uh, when you have you give him some time to talk about the stuff he's talking about. So if you, if you watch him uh, on his uh, on his streams and on his video channel and all that. What he's saying, and as he's talking about what he believes, uh, it's very well put across, you know. And, and with a bit of editing, you know, it's 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 quite fantastic. Um, and unfortunately, I think very dangerous as well because he is someone in the category of you know free speech for everyone. Everyone say what you have to say, come and protest, do whatever. And I I I think he's. In, in in essence, you know, there's a kind of a, it's, it, this is going to be controversial for if you're a big fan of Russell, and I'm sure it's not even in the spirit of what he's talking about. But it's like Americans and guns, right? You you, you got to have the ability. Everybody's got to have the ability to have a gun. You know, go ahead and 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 please have a gun and fire. And and, and you don't have to fire the gun, but you should have the right to have a gun, uh, and you should have the use the right to use your gun um, in, in the ways that other people seem to to to, to allow it. Um, Russell Brand, I, I, I think is, is, is he, he's sort of enabling again, he's got, he's got a, an audience of coming up to about 5 million people on YouTube. Um, and, and people are borrowing ideas again, you know, there are very few original thoughts that, that, that we have as human beings. We're looking around for what seems to be a bit of a trend and we, we hop on it. Uh, if you're watching Russell Brand every day, that's about 15 minutes of someone having a conversation, or at least talking talking at you, telling you what uh, what what he feels. Um, and he is going to prescribe, I think, ultimately a way of looking at the world, a way of thinking, a way of speaking as well, which is, I think, a little bit more dangerous in the hands of someone who is not as, and I'm I'm going to say, is not as intelligent as Russell Brand, because Russell is an intelligent person. Um, and even if he has some some uh, some thoughts which uh, you know maybe a little controversial or, or maybe on the edge, I, I think he has the intelligence to not use it in any and all circumstances. You know, just like that, he, he he probably has a filter in in, in some sense. He has some sense of uh, 
of emotional intelligence that allows uh, allows him to say, despite his alternative ideas, the right thing in the right in the right context to the right audience. Um, I don't think everyone who watches uh, what Russell or listens to what Russell uh, does walks away with that same idea. You know uh, yeah. that yes, you need to have these alternate ideas and alternative ideas, and 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 be able to express yourself and say what you say. But I'm not sure if the nuance that comes with uh, the kind of cultural education that he's had uh, is going to go along with that. So you create someone with a little knowledge, which is more dangerous than the person who has a lot. So I have a solution. So mm-hmm. on his uh, on his YouTube channel or Spotify or where it is that the, the information, you have to do a quiz beforehand to see if you can have access to it based on your intelligence level and emotional intelligence. Uh, and then, and you can only do that once a year. <laughs> and we can just do that for the entire population of the world. Yeah, which, oh, which... dangerous, <laughs> dangerous territory. I mean, it's like doing intelligence yeah. tests for the right to vote. You know, that, well, that's yeah. I mean, if you know, if, and, yeah, um, if you're if you're well versed in the concepts that are being debated in Parliament, then you get seven votes. If you yeah. have no idea what the heck is going on, you get one. But then it's also the, the most testing only values one type of intelligence and not different types of intelligence and. Yeah, so it's always it's always dangerous. I know, so, I'm joking. So, we can't do that. No, no, and, no. But Russ, no. Russell's Russell to me is an interesting one. I actually don't enjoy listening to him. Um, like when his podcasts, uh, I've, I've subscribed to a couple, and I always try. Um, but <laughs> but I do enjoy listening to people who say things in ways that I don't think about. I don't think that way. So I like I like that how that stretches my brain. So I enjoy. The differences with, and I can see, you know, um, what's his name, David Ike. Um, I, I accidentally read one of his books like a decade ago, right? Yeah, no, literally accidentally. I had no idea who this person was, right? I turned the corner a little too fast and I fell into a bookshop and yeah, in yeah. the bargain bin, right in my face. Um, it was it was on top. Little it was on calm. Top, it was on top of a um, piano at a rental property that we were in a short term rental and. It, it, it was a couple of weeks in. My husband's like, what are you reading him for? And I'm like, well, what? Who, do, you, do you know him? I wasn't even saying his name right. And, of course, every English person knows him. Now he's very well known around the world. But, you know, he's the lizard people person. You know that, right? Um, you know, mm-hmm. it, but, but I actually really valued reading him, um, even though, like, it's, I mean, some of the stuff he says is crazy. But I, I love the crazy. Uh, but, but then I, when you read someone like him, you can't help but see the world with different eyes and news and information with different eyes um, because we're not always getting access to the truth. We're only getting access to one point of view. Uh, wherever we are in the world, we'll be getting our country's point of view or, uh, or the, you know, the people, you know, if you're English speaker, you're going to get Curated. Western. Yeah, right. Um, so I like that challenge, but not everyone's capable of the critical thinking bit because it's not part of the education system in many, many countries. And that's why, you know, Scandinavian countries are renowned for their teaching the children critical thinking, whereas a lot of the other education sectors, that's really, I mean, they're not investing in them at all, right? So they're not investing in the future. But as long as we have critical thinking within our societies, I think freedom of speech is fine. And you're always going to have people going off with the nutters and you're always going to have the extreme views. But I don't know, when you know, early feminism, you know, a lot of people look at it, it was, that was an extreme 
view. But when you when you when you reach out to that extreme, you know, the girls burning their bras and all that sort of stuff, they obviously only had A cups, right? Um, <laughs> it's, it's true, like a, a double D cup. You're not you're not burning your bra, right? But but what 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 that does is it it it, it moves normality into the into a center place, you know. So yeah. One extreme, the other extreme, you, you can create more of a center. So, I welcome. That's that's why I suppose I, uh, from this perspective, I do welcome it. But when it comes down to a pandemic, there, there there has to be a source of truth that the world accepts, and that's what we don't have. We're we're having conversations around ways to treat COVID, and some so many of them are not true. But the people who believe them to be true will still stand there and tell us, like, if they were here, they would say that they work. But there's so much more proof to say it doesn't work. Um, Where the vaccines work, well, you know, um, the unvaccinated are 15 times more likely to have severe complications if they get COVID if they're not vaccinated. I mean, the data's there, right? But but Mm. I don't believe that. Well, what can I, I... I can't convince you of that if you don't believe it because it's scientific evidence to prove it. So, so does that, does that have a right to exist that opinion? I I think what we, we, and this is a common thing that I have with, um, with my wife, Frank, there is a complication when, when it comes to us just being human beings and and having feelings because, Mm. you know, thought, if, if thought were the only way we settle stuff, that'd be fantastic. If we could, if we could somehow disconnect our emotional systems, uh, we would make much better decisions because then we could, uh, we could decide fairly. Right. Mm. Um, But emotions stop us from seeing um, right in front of you uh, the absolute truth, right? So the the, the story that I'll 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 I'll, I'll probably tell when I'm uh, 95 years old uh, <laughs> is how we broke the the story, and and I I feel reasonably safe to be talking about this particular subject because uh, mostly it's LinkedIn who's watching us, and I don't think there are many kids watching here, but. You know the, the the gentleman who comes around around Christmas time. Uh, we 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 spoke truth to my to my then twelve year old uh, son um, about what really happened. You know, and he spent a good half an hour looking at us and wondering why we were being such terrible people trying to take credit for the work of someone else. <laughs> uh, and you just you couldn't figure out, and we 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 did everything we could uh, to, to to dispel the notion of what actually happened, and it took us that long uh, to mm-hmm. to finally get through. Where you know, the few times in my life I've actually seen someone slap their head in realization when he finally did, <laughs> and then it and that was just the petty drop, you know, all, all, all for for him. So. Uh, the, and it's it's all that emotional thing that we carry along with us, and that's part of the human condition. Like we're 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 storytellers unto ourselves, and we don't want to challenge that story because that cha- that that story is so convincing, right? Mm. So some words are going to trigger people simply because the meaning of the word is 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 loaded, right? You, you can say something that is that is uh, like like i think for tim and myself growing up right i mean we we would have experienced the wrong side of the back of the, of, of, of and it's not there's no right side of the back of the hand you know if we use the f word you know 
in, in so-called polite company. Uh, but then again, you're brought up in a different culture in Australia or somewhere else where it's much more accepted. Um, and that same word, the same context, is it has total dif- totally different meaning, right? Or the yeah. idea of perhaps like calling your, your, your parents only as mom and dad and not by their first name. I mean, when I went into another culture where it was commonplace, I went like, what's going on here? I don't understand, right? Mm. So, and again, it's, it's, it's the story because the, the, the story that we were told and the story we believe is that, oh, it's so rude uh, and disrespectful if you don't do it. Uh, and so when we, when we stepped in that culture, we went, oh, they're so rude and disrespectful to their parents when that wasn't true at all. It was just, it was just the culture that they were brought up in said that that's how you talk to people. You call them by their name. Mm. Oh, by the way, we weren't allowed to swear. So I don't know why you excluded me from that. Um, but 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 like today raising you know i've got a Jax will be 14 on sunday and lex is 15 and lex will be watching now and uh when the special man in the red suit uh was finally revealed as not non-existent he was gutted absolutely devastated and um no and and you know the fact that your son was 12 right so when we were kids you know we we found out about this when we were like seven or eight kids today for some reason it's a bit later uh, and maybe they just want to stay in the magic of the idea. I don't know what what it is, but um, well, some of, some of my kids in. figured it out early, and they realized that we're getting two for the price of one. So why bother? Because you know they were getting they were getting presents from us yep. and the gentleman yep. who would arrive very mysteriously. Not uh, and uh, I, I had at least one child who said, "Oh, let's not rock the boat." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I just said to my boys, "Surely you could see that your mum's such a crap rapper." Like Santa's presents and mum's presents, ah. you know, and dad's presents, they're, they're still wrapped the same way. And, you know, I'm really a bad rapper. It was never one of my skills. Okay, so I, I'm going to share with you how, for us, why we were able to, to, to create this magical illusion with our kids for as long as we did. Uh, we never wrapped the presents from Santa. They all came uh, inside of silvery and golden cloth. They were mm. always tied up with ribbons uh, and they had a uh, very nicely done calligraphy. Uh, you know, it, it was all it was all it was all s- style, and 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 that that's why we got away with it for as long as we did. Uh, and, and we used to hide things in the most incredible ways. Uh, we'd leave the house for church, and oh, I forgot something. And then just you know, in that in that, in that quick moment, you, everything goes from the closets to the right place. Uh, you know, it was it was all that kind of stuff. So it was it was it was really a lot of uh, a lot of production. <laughs> that goes into it, yeah. But that's something that that I I do feel. There's one part of me that does feel that I may have created a problem with that, though, because because we were so successful for that long a time, and and what we did was as as um as they all you know the, the kids grow older and and when you when you reach the age of 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 uh, knowledge and we revealed the, the the magic trick. Um, they then became stooges in the next round as well, right? So we had to, we had, to, we had to, we had to, uh, uh, we had to, to sort of like bring them into it, and they had to support the story as well. I, I think we may have inadvertently broken something in terms of uh, innate trust in parents, <laughs> as in, if you could lie about this for as long as you did. Yeah. What else are you lying about? Yeah, yeah. Zoe, Zoe, uh, Zoe tends was... to while watching TV with us will tend to watch something, and then go, "Is this true?" 
<laughs> Even if it's a movie and they're just saying a line that's required for the movie, she'll she'll look over and go, is that true? Like what they said, is that actually true? And I'll go, no, 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 it's just the movie or whatever. So the so the Christmas conversation uh, came up, like which was four, which was amazing. Um, oh, you saved so much money. But well, yeah, but 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 we still play it, and you know, she still got one last year, and was just like, cool, I got the thing. Um, but I'm worried. I, I'm. I, I, are we going off track of the freedom of speech thing here? <laughs> yeah, but but at the same time, it's like the beginning of distrust. That's what I. Well, that's that, what I was hearing, right? We. Yeah. This yeah. is, and and I think that that's a big part of it. I think because um, I, I was thinking about. I was thinking, how do you curb misinformation? How do you curb deliberate misinformation? So well, there'll be some of these podcasters and everything else. They'll uh, and Fox News is, I mean, seems to be rampant with it. Is because their goal is viewership and yeah. advertising revenue, yeah. and and if the misinformation creates tension and argument and more people glued to the screen. That's serving their KPIs, and yeah. so, so how do you? The only way I can see to do it in that sort of environment is financial penalty, because that's the sort of thing that would curb behavior, and it has to be significant enough financial penalty, commensurate with the the option of just paying the penalty and keep doing it. Um, so it's got to be commensurate with the the amount of revenue that they get from the misinformation. To dissuade them from doing it, but I see that that's got problems as well. Yeah. So then we're back to, and then then you're back. You're kind of back to if if it's just nonsense, turn off the television and go and watch something. You know, or change the channel. Yeah, that's what a lot of these people will say. It's like, well, if you don't like what we have to say, that's fine. If you don't like the fact that I take my shirt off, then change the channel. Which I guarantee, if I did take my shirt off, everybody would change the channel. So. <laughs> The, but you know what I mean? So I, I it, it's one of those, I think the analogy of gun control is a fantastic one because I think they're, they're actually the same discussion in a lot of senses. It's yep, in a sense. My right. My in, right. In a sense. I mean, gun control is like everybody should have the right to have the gun. Everybody should have the right to free speech. Everyone has the right to do but you're not supposed to shoot people. Yeah. There, there, there's, yeah. Uh, there's, there's, something about, uh, there's something about that. And if I could just throw in something else uh, that goes along with that, which might surprise uh, surprise everyone who's watching, um, did you know that there are actually more guns per capita in Canada than there are in the US? Per, well, no, per capita, I yeah. As in, as in, like I was, I was just blown away by this. But as in, like, yeah, yeah, the the Canada actually has more gun. Well, per capita, they have more guns than the US, uh, but. The numbers are still true about about gun uh, gun crime and all that. It's the U.S. is much much higher up. So that there's also there's something to be said about um, not not just the principle or the idea of free speech. For instance, if you're going to use that analogy and then apply it to guns and then take one step into into Canada as well, Canadians tend to be also a little bit more polite in terms of how they speak. I mean, that's just one of the you know it's it's an interesting um, uh, sort of. Uh, to, to me, it, it, there's something else to kind of find out uh, in terms of what's going on underneath there, right? It's not just about the guns. It's about the way that people are with the guns. So I think Canadians are the same with the words, and it's just how they are with the words. 
So the gun numbers don't match the crime figures. Is that basically what you're saying? Because yeah, it's, nice it's, it's a completely different thing. If you were to try to make, I mean, it's always been said, like, uh, if you talk about uh, um, uh, the, the, com the comparisons usually between America and Australia, because, mm. you know, Australia made the big change about guns and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but uh, there's, a, there's an, I think, an even more interesting study about what's happening between the U.S. and Canada as, as two countries next to each other where the numbers are actually heavier uh, in, mm. in, in terms of uh, a number of guns per capita and why it ends up being a different outcome in terms of uh, crime and and even, I mean, the, the argument is always about like, uh, uh, e even when it comes to self-harm, the numbers are strangely not commensurate, right? You, you'd imagine that, well, more guns, more suicide by gun. Well, it, it, it's quite simple to to it, the the simple answer is there are more bears per capita in Canada. <laughs> uh, but there's also but there's also other social things to factor in like drug use, legal and illegal. Um, you know, there's so many different aspects to it. But you know, to me, the the, the freedom of speech thing, as far as the the whole podcasting and what kicked this off, right? So the media used to have a, a an agreement. Uh, and there was only a couple of players, right? So, you know, when we grow up, I, do you guys still remember only having two channels? And then there were four <laughs> channels and now then then there were thousands of channels and then the internet and then, you know, it's sort of a, it's the explosion, right? And in so in the beginning there was, a, there was almost like one point of view that was represented in different ways to different audiences, but essentially the, 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 there was one point of view being represented, right? And so what we've got now is we've got millions of points of view and there's no, there's no central consensus of what is right and wrong. So we've just got millions of points of view and, you know, like um, Tim, we were talking about it with Sam, like that village sort of idea. We, 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 don't, we don't have a truth anymore. We, we, we're, not, we're, not, we're not all anchored into the same place, right? We're all in different, different places and, we, you know, the the whole cycle of distrust that we're in, distrust the media, distrust the government, looking at business leaders to drive the change in the world, um, you know, even within our own families, it's all over the place, you know. And, um, you know, just, just this last week, the, the religious discrimination bill that was going off in Australia and just watching how my Australian community were responding to that and, you know, it's been shelved, right, but the only people that really suffered in that process were the children again the trans children who are already struggling with who they are, right? So mm. we're not anchored, we're not anchored anymore. And I, I but like but then we, we come into parts of the world like Asia, uh, you know, in Singapore, I, and I, I do think that central sort of core, we're in it together, let's do it. You know, there's a couple of people are not happy with it, but the majority of people are all doing the same thing, coming together as a society to get through a really, really difficult time. And a lot of countries, especially the democratic ones, they don't have that. And and the whole freedom of speech thing is a big it's a big part of what's going on at the centre of that. Even though I believe in it, I think it's creating problems and it's making the pandemic go longer, and it's frustrating. But what are we willing to sacrifice? Who decides? You know, who decides what's right and wrong? But to me, scientific fact should be able to be accepted, but it also should be allowed to change as they learn more because because they're learning more, right? So. I don't know. Well, for me, freedom of speech is 
it, it's it's a it's uh, there's there's a price mechanism to it, right? Because you you say you know if you talk about freedom of speech, you 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 believe very much in it, and you can say I'm free to say whatever I want, uh, except when so and so is around, or except when you know that, that there is that that there is a pricing mechanism built into it. There's, so there's the amount of authority. Uh, uh, about the person that we're speaking back to, or who 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 is representing what we say. Like for instance, right? Um, I can I can say something right now, which is going to be a little bit more controversial. Uh, let's say in the medical sense, right? So if <laughs> I and I, again, because what I do is I keep dipping into different pools. Um, I, I, I've uh, I've got the flavor of remdesivir on me somewhere, and I can you, you can you can smell it on me. Um, <laughs> it's it's not it's not uh, I don't actually have the freedom of speech to bring it up with uh, a group of people who think they know the science. You know, like, like when I when I when I when I, I've, I've had friends uh, online who try to essentially shout me down, uh, talking about uh, what's happening uh, with vis-a-vis remdesivir. So uh, the, the 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 long-held and and, and still. Uh, sort of, um, I won't say idealized, but it, it's 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 presumed to be the outcome of it will be that they'll find that there is no redeeming quality uh, to remdesivir, right? There's no reason that 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 that, that anyone should be using it anywhere. Um, and the and the, I think the article you shared as well talked about how people cherry pick different stories. They, they cherry pick uh, this story to 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 highlight this or that or whatever it is. Uh, but I also look at it and go like, well, people also do cherry pick the other way around, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you, you have you have India with the stories that they've had around the use of it, not just in a in a in a in a isolation. Uh, but we don't want to look at those numbers because they don't seem to support the story. Whereas we're happy to look at Brazil and Peru and say, well, they used remdesivir and the numbers were high, so uh, well, no, no, no proof, sorry. You know, and and we've had things like, um, and and uh, this is this is uh, this hasn't taken off taken off YouTube, so I have to assume that in some sense that it it, it must hold some water. Um, there's a study that's being done right now, currently, and and it, it, it's one of those things where you know, it, it, those who presume that there's nothing to it go like, why are you bothering at all? But those who don't will, will continue with the study. So there is a study being conducted by Oxford right now, which includes not just remdesivir, but a whole bunch of uh, of, of, of drugs, uh, where they are trying to understand uh, in, in through a double-blind uh, trials uh, the the effects of different drugs uh, on COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there is, if, if there was honestly nothing there, then. There, there wouldn't be a curiosity for it. So that, that's, for me, what I, what I, what I think is we need to, 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 to maintain is this curiosity because, yeah. yeah, hydroxychloroquine has gone through its its cycle, and scientifically, they found out and go like, okay, we, we're no longer curious about how the, this process and how it can help. But if the scientists are still curious about it to the point where they're doing double blind tests. Uh, on a drug that doesn't have a patent uh, in existence anymore, must be something to it. You know, must yeah. be. You know, that's and that's and that's the thing. And we 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 will talk about freedom of speech um, in terms of um, speaking to power as well, right? So scientifically, the WHO is power, right? What they say uh, is powerful. So if someone comes up with something else which is different to that, it's it's also quite. 
uh, hard. So it, it's almost like there is, and, and this is now speaking in legislative terms, that there is a freedom of speech to speak back to government, but we we can't speak back to the WHO now uh, because it falls into a category which makes it, uh, you know, uh, dubious on, on, on Facebook and or Twitter. So that, that, there's there's that to consider as well, right? You know, like the, the, one one of the examples that I give when I talk about freedom of speech and, and and science and medicine is ulcers, stomach ulcers. And today, if you if you if you talk to to any older person, uh, they will probably still tell you that stomach ulcers are about stress. They will still talk about it in terms of being, you know, too too hard, working too hard in the office, and blah blah blah. You get all the ulcers, and that was the old held truth. For the longest time, and it was an Australian, um, not not even a doctor, an Australian that that uh, sort of uh, noticed something uh, in the first of all in the anecdotal stories, and then after 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 some time in data, and then later on in experimentation on himself, uh, that basically led to the breakthrough that, or the breakthrough understanding that ulcers were actually about bacteria, you know, yeah. and so now. If you have an ulcer, it's far less likely to be attributed to stress, or in terms of even treatment as well. They'll, they'll, they'll likely treat you with some antibiotics, and that journey, that whole thing of, of going from an idea—it's uh, something that I noticed was sort of happening—to I, I feel that this is the case, and now I'm willing to, to, to put myself on the line. I think the whole journey took some like thirty years, right? Yeah. And, it's 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 hard to think about it, but you know there's some there's some stones that have been left unturned, yeah. uh, and the motivations for it. Uh, there is enough of a reason for 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 a, for for. A, I mean, like you know, Merck was the one who created Remdesivir, and uh, the 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 what they call it the, the patent the patent has has expired, so mm. it's easily. Uh, producible, um, you can you can get it from India at four cents a pill. So you know that's that's the the cost of this possible uh, treatment, which everyone's happy to say no, no, no. There's 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 nothing much you can do. But this new thing that I have, which has a patent for the next thirteen years, now which will give this me a one billion, thing. yeah, yeah, and that, and that's where the lack of trust comes, right? Because you know the lack of trust in in in, in business to do the right thing. Because they, they they're motivated by capitalism and they want to make money, whereas what this needs is a different approach. And you know, like you, you were saying, you know, if, if that is the solution or it is a solution, it needs to be factored in, even if it's not going to make those companies a billion dollars. But you know, the bigger the bigger picture, and I'm just looking at the time, probably should move into the the next news sections. But for me, the the thing that we need to always keep in mind, you know. Social media basically has been in our lives since 2006, and that's when Facebook first started, but it really was 2008. So we're only 14 years into this, right, and we've made a big mess of it, as everybody knows. <laughs> but for, for me, social media more than the internet, it was the democratisation of information. Before that, a very, very, very small handful of people owned the knowledge that we had access to. And one of the things that I'm constantly fighting is the right for us to keep that. And we know that there's a lot of negative things in it, but like like the whole misinformation around the pandemic, it happened in 1918 and as well, and they didn't have Facebook. So 
misinformation isn't an argument from a social media perspective for me to say it's all bad. But I, I think if we lose our right to be voices within our own right, I think we're get, we we are losing something much greater than we we are appreciating right now. And I think a lot of the there could be a lot of forces at play that are trying to get that happen because it's much better to it's much easier for a, a government to control a country if they can control the information. Um, and they don't anymore. And I think that's a huge part of the problem that we've been seeing, especially in the last couple of decades, and trust and or distrust. So don't let's not lose it. So it sounds like we've done a big it sounds like we've we've come down to there needs to be freedom of speech. There needs to be some boundaries. That's already that's already in play. If you look at the definition, there's a Wikipedia one, freedom of speech is a principle that supports the freedom of an individual community to articulate their opinions and ideas without fear of retaliation, censorship, or legal sanction. Mm. Um, however, having said all of that, uh, you can whiz down to freedom of speech and expression, therefore, may not be recognized as, as being absolute, and common limitations or boundaries to freedom of speech relate to Libel, slander, obscenity, pornography, sedition, incitement, fighting words, classified information, copyright violation, trade secrets, food labeling, non-disclosure agreements, the right to privacy, dignity, the right to be forgotten, uh, mm -hmm. public security, and perjury. Mm. Um, and then there's a thing called the harm principle proposed by John Stewart on, on, in, on liberty, which suggests the only purpose for which power can be rightfully exercised over any member of a civilized community against his will is to prevent harm to others, which is where we get down to offense and what is harm and, and all of this sort of stuff. But there are already boundaries that we just listed mm -hmm. them off, you know, slander, libel, pornography, um, you know, uh, those other perjury, that sort of stuff. So we've got we got boundaries. So then what is the cost or what is the consequences possibly the thing we need to look at? Removing our ability to have access to freedom of inform to information, um, I don't think is is the thing. So that supports what Andrew just said. I, I think it, it comes down to there needs to be, for example, some politicians, politicians are caught in a tough position because they know things are going to happen. Uh, and decisions are going to be made. When they're asked about it, they can't really reveal it. And I've experienced that as a leader in an organization when we needed to make a whole bunch of people redundant. And when people ask mm. me, you, you're really caught in a bind as to as to what what you're gonna what you're gonna say. Um, but there are some politicians who just lie. I mean, all the time. And the one that comes to mind currently seems to be Boris Johnson, uh, because everybody who, who has anything to say about him seems to say, yeah, that well, that's just who he is. That's just what he does. And then, and so presumably some people would defend him, but but if that's the case, what's the consequence to him? Because there, there's got to be some sense of consequence to 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 Joe Rogan if he's if 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 he if he has influence, if it's if he's got influence or in that sense, and he's 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 irresponsibly peddling misinformation. If you're if you're a prime minister of a country and you're you're just you're lying, I mean, it, it, they, they, at some point, okay, they get voted out eventually, but they don't. But that's not a direct consequence of that incident. You know, he might lose power because of a freaking Christmas party, rather than all the lies he's been saying. 
and 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 the damage that is 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 done in that perspective, for example, um, yeah. from from peddling misinformation about COVID and about treatments, about trying to keep the world safe and get over this thing, there's got to be some sort of consequence. And so, I think uh, the people are cancelling Spotify because of their inaction to institute a consequence. That's and and people are trying to vote with the only power that they have, which is to say, you're off my device. And so it is impacting them financially. It has from, from you know, to like significant percentage drop. Um, is that temporary? Is it a good time to buy Spotify, Joe? I don't know, <laughs> but but uh, but as so so I guess what is the consequence? And in some countries where where the freedom of speech is curtailed somewhat, especially against their political parties and their politicians, to the point where any any comment is is treated as libelous or slanderous and and where the judicial system is favoring the um the people in power that that can be quite challenging for a fair hearing that one is another one that's quite challenging and it's it's rice paper to walk on at the moment um yeah. but but it, it's it's so there needs to be consequence but then there needs to be consequence of the abuse of the power to, of consequence. Or do we just get finally get to the point where we recognise that the social media companies, the podcasting platforms, anyone who's putting content out there in the world has to be responsible as a publisher and they haven't claimed that position. They don't want to be, yep. they, they don't want the banner of publisher on there, but they are putting content out into the world. And just by doing that, then they, there is a level of responsibility well, then and there has to be a shared accountability between yeah. the person who's saying it, the publisher. But the publisher wouldn't give the the platform to the person saying it if they didn't if if yeah. they didn't agree with what they're saying, right? So, um, to me, to me, that's the argument. It's actually a, it's a, it's a. How do we manage like so the whole you know the whole last decade? The world's in a mess because we we don't know how to be. None yeah. of us know, you know, you watch all the people rage, raging and screaming and I've just been working on some content about how to step back from the rage and uh, people yeah. don't know how to do it. I, I watch people get triggered all the time and I'm like, why are you even talking to that person? You don't even know them. It doesn't matter. Like it does not matter what they say. It's just yeah. their opinion. Like it's okay for them to have an opinion. And, yeah. and they're commenting on somebody else's profile and, and then you're coming. I'm like, stop it. You don't need to get involved, you know. Um, so I think our bigger challenge is we've just got to all work harder, right? We've got to work harder. If these people out there with, the, you know, what, what was it, um, 190 million downloads a month, then we've got to help the scientific community in, in all ways get better at bloody communication so they can go out there and put their voice out there and be trusted and be heard but do it in a way that people actually want to hear them. So we need a comedian sci scientific expert, you know, uh, because, you know. We've, the we've Bolzon be walked into a bar. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right. But, but, you know, but we've got to, rather than censor what's out there, we've got to focus on what do we need to create to counterbalance that because censorship is never the answer because who decides, right? So that's my. Yeah, the, 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 I, I think the, the, the challenge is that, okay, is that the, 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 the double S word, uh, the slippery slope, uh, which I think we're on is is that uh, 
when you want to start talking about who's responsible for content, right? And you say that, oh, well, well, social media, the, the argument is always going to be like, if social media is responsible for everything that, that goes on it, uh, then do we hold the phone company responsible for the conversations that go on the telephone line, right? But that's two people talking to each other. Social media is amplified in a much, much bigger well, way, right? And so it's a WhatsApp group, social media, right? I mean, that 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 that's sort of a that's the challenge in terms of 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 where it goes. So, like, if you if you if you create a platform, for instance, like WhatsApp, which allows you to create this big group, and out of this big group of people, and because of all the encryption that's available through WhatsApp, people are able to plan plan an insurrection, you know. Uh, hypothetically speaking, uh, do, do you do you hold them responsible at all for not having uh, fail safes in place, um, or is it something that you just say, well, it's part of the feature of, of Facebook or, or WhatsApp anyway that's supposed to be fully encrypted, so we don't know what you're talking about, right? Except if you want to serve your ads, uh, you know that 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 <laughs> that sort of thinking. So if why why I think there's a problem is that I I don't think there's a disagreement over wanting to be able to 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 to, to put some kind of um, uh, controls or borders around things. Uh, but there's also the implication of what else it means what what it means to the rest of what we're doing uh, in, in our lives. Right? If we say we can control social media, uh, then what are we saying about? Uh, speech in uh, a space, for instance, are we are we then saying that uh, it's allowed here or that's not allowed there? It's the implications, of, that, and that's, that's always been the trouble with law. Law has always been about by legislating for this, what you're doing is inadvertently legislating for other stuff as well, or creating a precedent. Um, we we lived in a much easier time, uh, you know, back in the early uh, the, the, the the 20th century, right, where. Uh, you know, government could be run based on the idea of I said so, right? And th- there's, some, there's something to be said about that in terms of I said so. You know, the, the coming out of the Great Depression wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for I said so. You know, the, the, the coverage, the way the news was, uh, where, where they got all the news outlets and said, listen, we're only going to do good news. There, there is not, we're, we're not going to talk about bad news. This is the agreement that we have. And basically... As horrible an idea as it might sound like to anyone in today's context, um, America lied its way out of the Great Depression. That's 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 absolutely what happened. We we they, they said it was good and it became good. You know that that's what they did. And and, and would you would you say that it's wrong? Um, at some level, yeah, it's it's wrong. But it's like telling your, you know. I, I guess telling your spouse as they leave the house and go, like, how do I look after they spend an hour and a half getting ready for that? Uh, saying, you look fine. <laughs> you know? you, no, you say you look fine. Yeah. <laughs> you don't say anything else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, it, 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 none of this is simple. And I, uh, that's that's why you know we, we really want to encourage everyone to just read. I mean, some. I mean, I had some activity on some of my social media pages. People were so passionate, so fast, and it actually took me by surprise um, because to me the story was only just beginning, and it's still the story hasn't ended. But it's it's part of a much 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 bigger story that's been going on for a long time around controlling information and controlling what's out there in the world and it's about the pandemic and it's about social media and it's I mean there's so many different aspects to this and I think if we can all be paying attention 
we can follow the journey and make the right decisions because all white men are not the right people to work out what the right solutions are from a social media perspective and a digital platforms because they don't use it. They don't know it. They're not, they didn't, you know, the digital natives, you know, our children, right? They know what it's all about. They know it's, it's in part of every part of their lives. So legislating, um, censoring, all that sort of stuff, I just think we've got to be super careful, but we've got to pay attention to the bigger story that's been playing out for a much longer time. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we best get to the news and talk about the big stories that have happened in the real world now. Yeah, yeah. All right. So uh, COVID. Let's 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 kick off with COVID. So the first one, uh, a Vox article. Look out for the headline: How COVID nineteen vaccines succeeded in saving a million US lives in charts. So um, have a look through that. But that that was the article where I referenced that if unvaccinated are fifteen times as likely to die from COVID nineteen, and this is according to the CDC. CDC, yeah. CDC, yeah. So it's CDCP. Um, But there's another article that came out of Australia. So basically what was happening was um, the people who were getting COVID and being impacted by it were being represented with these circles, right? Um, So because more than 90% of the Australian population has been vaccinated, that circle was much, much bigger than the unvaccinated circle. So it looked like people who were vaccinated were getting more COVID than the people who were unvaccinated. And so basically what they did was they they, they changed the chart to show. So 3.55 people per 100,000, if they're vaccinated, have severe outcomes. 91.1 people out of 100,000 have severe outcomes when they're unvaccinated. And so this this information, the way it was presented, it was being used by the anti-vax movement. So that's another really interesting one. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you guys have noticed, Reuters has been doing a series of um, weekly updates on the latest research around COVID, and they're absolutely front and centre right from the start saying this is not peer-reviewed, but it's all from a credible source and it's just got to go through the next stages. So they're obviously com- confident enough to publish it. So first of all is... Um, one of the symptoms. So there's a, there's going to there's going to be a lot of COVID death in the future that won't be COVID, but it's going to be linked to COVID. And this is part of the long term story of what we're seeing. But first is Alzheimer's like changes have been happening in COVID patients' brains. So they're starting to see that. But the other one is um, the risk of new heart problems jumps after COVID and. This is mild COVID or severe COVID, um, strokes, heart attacks, um, uh, uh, blood clots in the lungs. So this is an interesting thing. And if you've had COVID, don't panic. Um, It's obviously a a thing that you just got to keep keep an eye on if you're feeling sort of fluttering in your heart or unusual heart um, symptoms or, you know, go and get a checkup once a week to make sure your heart's all right. And then the final thing is... um, Austria is introducing a vaccine mandate and it's rolling out and uh, the rest of Europe's watching that. And I found that super interesting that that's starting off in a country like Austria and in Europe. So that's a story worth um, keeping an eye on because there's some, there's some pretty yeah. strict rules in like countries like Italy. You can pretty yeah. much do nothing if you're not vaccinated. Um, and it's pretty tough and people don't like it, but um, yeah, they, they're taking a pretty hard line. So that's the yeah. COVID stuff this week. Uh, the, the, the funny thing for me, it just, it just from a comedic point of view, I'm, I'm terrible to think this way, but uh, I always think that if, you, if you're going to be in any part of Europe where you're going to put out a mandate 
do it in an Aus Austrian accent. That's always taken much more seriously. <laughs> no, because the virus will be back. <laughs> no, uh, Austrian is Arnie. Okay. Have you yeah, seen Arnie's? Do it for five million dollars. I, I can't. Imagine, I can't imagine, for instance, a, a spoken in an English, uh, spoken in English, but with a Swedish accent, the kind of a vaccine mandate being announced. It just doesn't seem to be as serious. Yeah. Did what you say Annie? Annie in a Swedish accent. An English. No, if, if you spoke English, it in English, Swedish. but in a Swedish accent. Oh, <laughs> we will all be doing with the vaccine for everybody today. Right. Like that? But, I don't know if that's a Swedish yeah. accent. I'm doing Sesame Street, I think. It is pretty yeah. close. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's have some herring and move on. Yeah. Um, but did you see Arnold Schwarzenegger and Selma Hayek have done a new ad for um, BMW electric cars? And he's no. uh, the Zeus and um, oh, what's, her, what's her goddess? Anyway, absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Definitely Athena, check it out. <laughs> uh, was, was, it, was that his wife? Primary wife, I can't remember. Anyway, my, my mythology is escaping me. All right, um, environment and society. So I'm expanding this from just environment because I think environment and society is actually what it's all about. So the first piece is, and there's one I want to really focus on today. Um, there's a report in the Natural History Museum magazine. It's the first time I've seen it, so um, I, I will be subscribing to it. But two-thirds of life, in the seabed is unknown to science. Two thirds. How, how do they know that? <laughs> uh, you know, read, read this article. They know it because um, the bits and thing, things come to the surface uh, that has DNA that is unrecognizable. So they've been mapping that out. So um, in, in eat, animals eat things, right? And those things could come from the below the surface, and it leaves something. It leaves something behind. So it's a. I'm, I'm not doing a good job explaining the technicality okay, of it. No, you but there's plenty job. of evidence. <laughs> no, but it's often been said, actually, we know, uh, ironically, much more about space than we do yeah. know about the sea. I mean, yeah. that's uh, the, the way our knowledge has been, because I think part of it has been visibility and range, because with space, we can see that far. But you just drop yourself into the ocean and go like, oh, can't see anything now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's amazing, right? Two thirds. It's amazing. But why this article is really important is we not only do we not know what's down there in the deep dark, we also yeah. don't know the role that they that these creatures take in sequestering uh, the emissions, right? Mm. So we've now got this seabed mining, and I don't know if you guys have seen what this is, big, these huge nets just going along scooping up these precious metals that are lying at the bottom of the ocean. So basically we, we're getting these metals for our phones, so we might we might have these fancy phones walking around, but if we if we destroy two thirds of the the life in the bottom of the oceans that we don't understand and we don't understand its role in the in the global ecosystem, yeah. um, this is a potential disaster. I mean, the whole fishing industry is already a disaster, but this is a whole other level of disaster, and it's kind of shocking that there's any approval. Because this is already happening, you know. It's, it's invisible. That, 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 the real yeah. thing about it, it, it's literally invisible because, you know, I, I, I used to live in Brunei and uh, we knew about oil rigs and all the stuff that was happening out at sea, right? Yeah. Uh, but you become invisible as soon as you go a mile offshore. Yeah. I, I don't see you, even though you're a superstructure in the middle of the water. 
Uh, and then now if you go if you go underwater, then you're totally invisible. So mm-hmm. it, it is very easy for that to happen, just like the way, you know, like 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 we've we've made a mess of space really in terms of all the stuff that we left up there. Uh, but again, invisible. It's not it's not something that we're aware of. Yeah. Well, it's also why we haven't been attacked by aliens, Joe. All the stuff up there is <laughs> it's just too dangerous for them to come to Earth now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the underwater thing is is it, it yeah, it's out of mind, out of sight. I guess is what Joe Joe's saying, and it's um, yeah, it's like going and mining an asteroid. We we well, except that it's part of our planet's ecosystem, and yeah. we don't know what damage to that ecosystem is doing. To the the rest of the system that we can yeah. see above water, I suppose, is what you're saying. And, and we shouldn't, based on where the Earth is right now, because I mean the next piece is, um, uh, the, you know, basically once we get above 1.5 degrees global warming, 98% of coral reefs will die, and we're going to hit that this decade, and it's going to be permanent by the 2030s, right? So the the article talks about um, the billions the billions of people that will be impacted. So you've got the the livelihoods of um, immediate livelihoods. Yeah. But the big, the bigger ecosystem collapse in the oceans, and then we're destroying the ecosystem below. You know this. I mean, it's really quite like we human beings are completely stupid. <laughs> it's it's My, all we're doing. All we do is we seek to solve a, a an isolated problem without the consequences of that problem. Yeah, we teach our and, children about consequences, but. Where, where did where did that get lost in adults well, and businesses? Like, I I'd like to share a personal perspective though. I, I I am the kind of person who likes to link this becomes that becomes that becomes that becomes that. And I find that I lose a lot of people as soon as I start going to the uh, second or third generation of stuff. And they just think like, you're, you're overthinking it. You're you're you are. This isn't a this isn't a valid this or that right. Uh, and, and for me, my, my terror isn't in the area of, of, of the environment as much. And I know that comes as a disappointment to anybody who, who, who for, for whom the, the, the environment is, is uh, front and center. Uh, mine's about relationships. You know, I really feel that relationships get damaged in this, in, in, in the steps of consequences that we are not looking uh, into, right? We go like, uh, um, for me, for instance, the, the, the whole idea of someone just looking at you as they speak to you. Um, is an important thing, and I and I and I try to get that to 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 to, <laughs> to be something with my with my kids, uh, and and I and I say it's because it will have this impact on you in the future because other people around you will feel that you have a sense of this or that or whatever it is. So make it a point. Someone speaking, just look up to see who is speaking because it'll make a difference. But mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like something that it just seems like I'm just being you know uh, the, the word they like to use is anal, and I kind of tell them no, it's anal retentive. It's anal retentive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, but yeah, it's consequence. It's linking of consequences. I don't think people have have um, uh, have stopped thinking about consequences, but they do have so many more things happening around them. That what happens is instead of going deep, you get you get you you, you kind of go wide, right? Yeah. So. Uh, you you go through your, your your day on social media might be uh, instead of uh, think about this write a comment blah 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 it's like 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 hate uh, smile uh, whatever it is and then you're done with your social media rounds right yeah yeah you got to be more intentional on social media than just yeah the like 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 hate um, 
Yeah, but but we're getting close. But a good news story from the environment. And Barney, who's a, a, obviously a very wealthy Indian person, is pledging $75 billion to make India a hydrogen hub. Now, hydrogen is a really interesting uh, topic, and I encourage everyone to go and sort of look into the hydrogen revolution because I've heard both sides, and a lot of people are looking at it as the solution, um, but some people don't agree with that. So look into it. Don't just accept anything. Um there's also a lot of stuff going on in the US at the moment. Big oil are basically facing the hot seat over their climate deception. So I think, yeah, I think that's worth looking at. But also we saw some um, uh, breakthroughs in nuclear fusion energy this week that's been starting to be reported. So that's a really cool one. And that's like creating mini stars and um, that potentially could be our future energy. So some cool energy stories. You want to wow. talk Talk about any of them before I talk about the crochet sweater from Target. <laughs> well, I, I, again, this is my, I, I've been uh, looking around and, and, and coming across the world of Steve Pinkett uh, a little bit more recently. And, and he's being looked upon as the intellectual optimist, right? He, in, in the light of all the world coming to, to an end and terrible things. Uh, people do look at him and say, like, well, he's actually quite an opt- he is an optimist actually, because he says if you if you if you if you sum everything up, you realize that despite what we see as bad happening right now, everything is better than it used to be, you know. Uh, and that's that's ultimately it. Uh, so the the faith that he has in human ingenuity is what I have as well. And this is where you know it comes to like you know nuclear energy. I, I've been a big fan of nuclear energy, but everybody everybody loves the idea of nuclear energy, just not here. <laughs> right um and i think you know something something like this is the way human ingenuity seeks to solve the problem so it goes like okay well if you're not comfortable with that kind of nuclear energy now this is another way that we can try and solve this problem how do you how do, how do you how do you think about what do you think about that right mm. so that's my my it, it's again for me it's one of those things i add i'll add into the onto the ledger of uh yeah there you go human ingenuity saves the day again or at least tries to yeah so when did he say everything's been getting better? Do you know? Um, you if you look at any of his, uh, his his recent uh, lectures, uh, I, I can't recall the, the the name of the book that he was promoting, but he, he basically did research on um, where we've come from and where we are now, right? Uh, one of the stats which, which people are very uh, uncomfortable with, I mean, not uncomfortable with, sorry, they just don't realize is, uh, there was a time when 90% of the world was under the poverty line. And now we are at 90% of the world above the poverty line, but we have 10% below the poverty line. Uh, but in terms of how we feel about the problem, uh, it seems to be a worse problem than, than, uh, than it used to be. So it's one, of those, it's one of those perspectives which we tend to not have until we realize, oh, yeah, that's the case, right? And uh, this is not one of the examples he's got, but uh, there's, a, there's a story of one speaker who was uh, talking to a reporter who was uh, speaking to a, a wealthier person. So how do you feel about being part of the, the top, uh, you know, uh, 1% in the world? And uh, the answer back was, and how do you feel about it? Because, it's, they, they, because they realize that uh, a lot of the world doesn't feel it is part of this bigger uh, picture they, they 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 think in terms of the wealthiest in the US versus the rest of the world uh, they don't think about themselves as the wealthiest in the world because they're like yeah. many of us even though we feel like we're not uh terribly well off uh when we factor in the rest of the world we go like 
oh, okay, this is what it feels like to be the top this percent of that, right? So yeah. uh, it, it's about it's about the difference between what we feel and what we. It's almost this 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 intuitive sense that we have about uh, the environment and everything else around us versus sometimes the facts, right? So there's some things that really have become better, but we feel so much worse about it. We don't want to be, we don't want to, to accept that it's actually something that is positive. Uh, it does not mean that there is nothing to fix and that there's nothing to get uh, to, to, to improve on, but it also is at least a reason for you to be maybe a little bit uh, more grateful about what's happening around us, where we are right now compared to where we could have been. Yeah. Look, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm an optimist and I, I will die an optimist believing in the best. The best of us, the best. I, I expect the best. You know, that's the way I live, right? Uh, but the reason I asked you about when he said that was because what was it? What was the Swedish um, data guy that died a few years ago? He was um, Hans. Some, he was a brilliant guy. And he, he was. He was. He really shared a lot of that sort of data of how how we, we think everything's worse, but it's not. Mm. But the last two years, everything has gotten worse for a lot of people. We have gone back. You know, uh, women's equality slipped back by a generation. Uh, people in, in in developing world, uh, you know, struggling like never never before. They the back, you know. So we have slipped backwards in, in an enormous way in the last couple of years. So we've got to got to do a lot of work to get our to get to move forward. So I, yeah. that's why I was asking when, because yeah. if he's Hans Rosling, Hans Rosling, that's the guy. Yeah, I mean, he was mm. brilliant, right? Um, but it has changed. Things have changed in the last couple of years, and it's and it's been rapid. And devastating, and um, you know, yeah, the look, amount of kids out of school and girls, child marriage, all those sort of figures. You know, first thing that happens, yeah. right? I yeah, I mean, I I wonder sometimes if if that's it. Things have got better on the metrics that we were looking at, but now we're seeing metrics that we hadn't been seeing. Yeah. So, which which is. Which is horrifying, but at the same time, there's an opportunity now because we are seeing them to to campaign to help them be better. Yeah. So, yeah. So Hans's stuff. I mean, but the the clear one that has gone backwards is the environment. That's the that's the big big clear one. Yeah. Um, oh, I, and 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 women <laughs> since COVID. Clearly. Yes. Okay. Yeah, equality, absolutely. Oh, it's been terrible, uh, uh, but just you know, people, people in the the bottom fifty percent of humanity, it's it, they've suffered, magni- yep. magnificently suffered, not magnificently, yep. majorly suffered. What's the word I'm trying to look for? But um, significantly, disproportionately. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, magnificently. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. But, uh, okay. So here's an example. So the last sort of to- topic in this. So there's been. Um, so I don't know if you've seen this on Facebook. You'll see these articles where. The title says TikTokers list red flags and then it'll be blah, blah, blah. And so this one is about a $35 Target crochet sweater, which is horrifying, un- horrifyingly unethical, right? So this is a classic fast fashion and supply chain misery story. This is the people that we're talking about in the bottom 50%. So this uh, um, cardigan top, whatever you want to call it, there is no machine on the planet that can crochet. It, it it can only be handmade, right? And they went out to all the experts in crocheting because there's lots of them around the world. You cannot make an item like this without sacrificing 
the well-being of people making our clothes. So if you were going to buy this uh, in a store, Singapore, America, it's a minimum item of $250 based on the amount of hours that would be spent to make it. So they, they estimate minimum 17 hours by hand, right? And so after all, all bits and pieces, um, sh- uh, shipping, marketing, all that sort of stuff, they, they believe that at a minimum the person who made this was paid, so at a maximum the person who got who made this was paid $1.70. And obviously they're not taking into account the physical injuries, the environment where they're making it, the harm yeah. to like, you know, their hands as they're, as, as they're sort of working as quickly as they can. Um, and to me, it's just a classic example of supply chain misery and the people at the end of that line where we'll go into a shop like Target or H&M or all the fast fashion stores and we'll joyfully go and go, oh, my God, I only paid $20 for this amazing T-shirt. I'm not lucky. And we don't think about the human cost of that. And this is part of the climate crisis, you know, this inequality. Uh, but it's also, you know, we've got these dumps all over the world full of these crappy, these crappy clothes that we buy cheap and then we discard and nobody wants to use them. And they're made, I mean, this is actually made of, of cotton, so that's one good thing about it. But we have to start to take responsibility for what we buy. That's a big part of solving the crisis that we face, our individual choices. And so that's why I wanted to bring this up. And I think it was such a great example of the thoughtlessness that exists. And until we start saying no, it's not going to stop. While we keep buying this stuff without caring about the consequences, they're going to keep providing us with this stuff. And um, it's wrong. This is a good example also of social media bringing to people's attention yeah. this sort of reality. When I, I, gotta, I must confess, when I first looked at the article, I thought they were talking about the design and the colours being used in the, in the crocheted thing as being unethical, right. <laughs> unethical to wear it. Like, that's just, it's terrible. Uh, but at the same time, um, but as I got into the article, yeah, I, I like the, the breakdown, although I would challenge some of the figures I know there's been a fair bit of research and everything done, but they're saying that the they're saying it's ten dollars worth of materials is is an assumption, and then they're breaking down that you know they're saying it takes seventeen hours to make the thing. Um, so if it's twelve, if they're being paid twelve dollars an hour with the ten dollars worth of materials, the cotton and everything else, then it would it should be costing two hundred and twenty twenty two dollars forty um, before before it gets to the, you know, at, at, at the point of sale to whoever's going to then mark it up and transport it and then mark it up in the final retail. So that's how they broke it down to, you know, if it's $7 uh, an hour, $7.25 an hour, it would be $138. If it's $3 an hour, it'd be $63. If it's $2 an hour with $10 material, it would be $45. The fact that it's it was $35. Bucks. My, my argument there is I don't think it'll be $10 worth of material. I think it'd be a lot less than that. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't doesn't take away the fact that if it is really seventeen hours worth of work, yeah, um, that person's being paid very very little. Yeah. However, however, we are comparing what we think people can live on, and I'm I'm not trying to diminish the argument you made. I, I think the argument against fast fashion is a very legitimate argument, but we are. Um, we are comparing, we're not comparing apples with apples. We're thinking we couldn't live off $2 an hour. 
but people can. And that, and it, it, it also goes to the argument of, well, I'm not going to give to charity because if I give $100 with all the corruption and everything else on the way to getting to the person who really needs it, they might only get $2 out of my 100 So, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. But the thing is that $2 to them is possibly worth $300 in, in our cost of living bit here. Well, I agree with, I agree with the argument that the cost of living is different in different countries, but the, the, the cost that these women, typically women are paid in this industry is actually not enough for them to survive and eat and have access to medical and live in a live in a place where they're safe. It's not enough. We're not paying enough, uh, and and there's a lot of slavery in the system as well. So my so then my my next level argument might then be, if we paid more, are these people getting paid more at the end, or is the brand just taking more? And that's where company and that's that's what's coming coming through now, right? Companies like Target have to be responsible for the entire supply chain all the way down to the women in the factory making the clothes or child, right? Um, so they have to start to take responsibility and they've never had to. And, you know, we saw in Bangladesh when the building collapsed and all those people died, the first thing Disney did was leave. Um, the next crash, or building collapse, a whole bunch of brands came together and said, right, it's time that we're going to do it a little bit better by our, pe- by our people in the supply chain. This is something that's never really been tackled because obviously there's so much corruption in the supply chain. Um, there's so many there's so many um, steps towards the end of the pl- supply chain. But as far as like overcoming the climate crisis, the supply chain is actually a really critical part of that fight. And um, human dignity in the supply chain is absolutely a must. And we've got to we've got to work harder to understand what's going on. You know, so like I think I've talked about it before, but. When the pandemic hit, all these women were just abandoned all over all over Asia, and Cambodia, mm-hmm. Vietnam, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, just abandoned. Right, the, the the shipping containers are still sitting in the ports, full of these clothes that never got shipped, or these handbags, these high high brands just dumped them, didn't care, didn't take any responsibility for these women. What happens to the women in that situation? Uh, abuse, uh, sold into slavery, sold their daughters into slavery. I mean. You know, it's time that we start to say, "Well, I'm not going to support a brand that does that. I'm not. I'm 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 going to make more ethical decisions." And that's the shift that's starting to happen now. People are looking at the companies that they work with and saying, "I'm not going to buy from you." So the whole Spotify thing: Are you going yep. to continue to support Spotify if they do the right thing? Yes. Yeah. Um, well, the fashion brands. If you love Louis Vuitton, what's their supply chain like? How much are they keeping an eye on it? What's their environmental impact? Know it. If you're going to buy a Louis Vuitton bag, it's not a cheap thing to buy. At least understand the impact the company has. Well, it's I mean it's available. You've just got to dig for it, right? So there's um I can find a whole bunch of links for you, but there's like um a slavery website which talks about where modern slavery exists and the brands that are responsible for it. Um there's a whole bunch of places. So I can find them and put them all together. But yeah, but but it's not that hard to find this information. And we've got yeah. to start working for it. You know what would mm. be really interesting is an app that kind of links that to the shops that are in the shopping center that you're standing in. I just yeah. saw one. I just sh- saw one shared the other day. Uh, where is it? An now app we can that does it. It's, a, it's an you app. Can use your Google Lens and just go like that, and then just go up. Oh, no, that's got a score of minus six. 
and you go yep. over there. Oh, this one's got an eighty-seven percent. Okay, I'll go and shop there. All right, it's called the Beagle Button. I'm going to put that in my weekend reads. It just came across, and so basically, you're doing a search for a product, and it will be integrated into your web browser, and it will suggest better and more sustainable options. So those sort of things are starting to happen. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we're coming up to two hours. Do you want to just a couple of really quick things that um, happened this week, and then we'll wrap it up. So uh, Meta is threatening to close down Facebook and Instagram in Europe, and Europe said, please do. I can <laughs> confirm that life would be very good without Facebook, and this is obviously all over data transfer transfer rules. But Another was Meta- it spoken in a Swedish accent? Oh, well, that's a good point. Right? <laughs> please um, do. No, it was probably Austrian. I think it was a French. I think it was French. Um, oh, Meta- yes, we don't like you anymore. <laughs> no. Meta is is moving to tackle creepy behavior in virtual reality, and it was like, yeah. oh, for God's sake, really? Are we still, you know, like, okay, you, you're betting your entire company's future on 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 this area, and you haven't even got the basics right, like making your customers feel safe. Yeah, um, but look at Free Guy, the, yeah, the movie Free Guy, right? That's yeah. that's basically the meta world where where people go in there just to blow blow things up and steal. Yeah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't think it's going to be my life, my future. Um, anyway, uh, SpaceX <laughs> have lost 40 satellites because of a geomagnetic storm. And I don't know about you, but these geomagnetic storms are reported on quite regularly. We know they're happening. So that was a bit of a how the hell did they not know that that was going to happen? Well, for one thing, at least we didn't. Uh, it's it's it, at least that's a storm that we didn't cause. Uh, that's the only thing I can say. Great <laughs> spark on that one. I, you know, we did. Well, they didn't know about it because Fox News never reported on it. Right. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if he's a Fox News kind of person. One fascinating story. I really want to encourage everyone to read uh, in Prospect Magazine. Um, that's worth subscribing to. You just get a couple of articles a week, and they're always really um, long form, quite deep. Usually sort of UK focus, but um, Sinn Féin and the re-greening of Ireland. Did you guys have a chance to read it? It's a really long one, so you might not have had a chance. But um, uh, I'm up to speed on my IRA updates. Yeah, no, no, it's not, <laughs> no, no, no. You will be amazed by this piece. So first of all, there's a female leading uh, the political movement. Um, she, is con- she is regularly compared to Jacinda Ardern and her sort of approach. Um, she's very, very popular. This is obviously a post-Brexit thing, but it's it's also talking about the reunification of Ireland. And mm. it's quite phenomenal. Like, I, I didn't realise that this was what was happening and how quickly it was happening. So I recommend that. Um, CNN, uh, I think the Hills article's title was CNN's Collapse is Now Complete. So <laughs> um, that's really interesting. And, of course, then we saw the uh, Trump ripping up his records and having to rescue boxes of, of uh, paperwork from Mara Lego this week. And um, yeah. uh, the headline is, is that the same as Hillary's emails? Uh, lock him up, lock him up, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but apparently all of the Republicans w- that were very much on the uh, anti-Hillary Hillary bandwagon have said nothing about this. And it's um, I actually yeah. think the irony of this whole story is going to be that if Trump faces some sort of criminal um, case, it might actually be the fact that he ripped up these um, documents, not anything else he did. It might actually be this. It's kind of like the Capone thing with t- taxes, right? Was it, El Capone was got done for tax. 
That was what he gave it. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is the thing that undoes him. Um, okay. I would be. <laughs> it's it's uh it's 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 you know that like the defense in the end was like oh he's just stupid. I mean you no know, like like uh he he had he had a habit of doing that finish with something and he would just rip it up and that was the whole thing. But yeah, he took he took a lot of uh he took a lot of correspondence uh, with him, which is actually uh, technically because it was generated under the, in the under the auspices of the. Uh, the presidency that belongs to the national archives, and that's that's yeah. essentially the charge. You've just taken, you've, you've yeah. just you've just stolen stuff. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I think they recovered the stuff. So you know, unfortunately, what what they should have waited for was the sale on eBay, and then <laughs> and then nail him for that. Although there was um, boxes of like shredded paper, you know, so right. like he just rip it up, right, which he wasn't yeah. supposed yeah. to do. So. You know, yeah. it could be one of those classics, you know, charge him with this. We'll get, you know, he won't yeah. go to jail, but he won't yeah. be able to run for president again because I figured that's kind of the goal to make sure that's that doesn't thing. happen, if, right? if you can get him on a felony, then then he doesn't play that game anymore, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so that lots going on. Didn't even get onto the, you know, what's going on in Australia around the re, uh, religious discrimination bill or critical race theory in the US, US or everything else that's been going on. It's been a really, really, really big week of news, so... Hopefully this well, has been useful. Well, let me let me share with you something light, bit of newsy uh, news at the end. Uh, you know how Wordle has been sold to the New York Times. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's one of the stories. It, it doesn't change the world as far as uh, Wordle is concerned. Uh, but a U.S. woman uh, has had her life. Uh, well, at least she she was rescued from a hostage situation because of Wordle. Oh. Um, <laughs> yep. She's a uh, she's because she was she was she was so doing the thing that you hit. That you hate so much, right, Andrea? Which is the putting updates of Wordle every single look day. Look at me, look at me, yeah. 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 Uh, so her family got concerned when her daily updates did not come. And so oh. they called the police and sent them to do uh, a check on her. And uh, she's an older lady. And she had been actually taken hostage by some guy who was just a little bit off his rocker, but, uh, you know, naked and with bleeding, cuts everywhere and all that. But he was holding her hostage. But not because of Wordle. No, it's like, give me the five letters for today. Uh, Spell no, my name. <laughs> Spell my name. Uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah, no, it was, it was just because of that lack of activity on Wordle uh, that uh, the family was alerted. And, uh, and, and and as a result, she may have had her life saved. Oh, that's good. That's a good news story. That is a good news story. <laughs> yeah. Very weird, but very good. All right. So, what are you ED. What's keeping you guys distracted? I haven't got anything to add to this week. I'm still trying to finish Shit's Creek. Um, I kind of get you that it's still worth pursuing, but I'm not 100%. But um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to watching this new series, which is about um, Asian nights. So basically it's touring around Asia's cities after midnight. I can't remember mm. what the title is, but I'll, I will have watched some by right. next week. So like that looks, it looks like and gritty rituals. and truthful. But, yeah, so okay. what about you guys? Well, I like to recommend two things. One is a podcast, and one is a series on on, on Netflix. Uh, the Netflix one is not something that you really, really have to watch, but it's fun to watch if you like improvisation, um, and if you like, I think it's uh, Will Arnett, you know, the guy, the voice of Lego Batman, uh, yeah. and also <laughs> star of of uh, of uh, I think uh, Arrested Development. Um, anyway, he's he's got a show on right now. It's a it's a, it's a short series. Uh, I I I have a feeling it's going to come back again, but. In, in, in a sense, limited series, which means that it comes to an end. <laughs> Good, I like them. 
Yep, it's it's a show that's designed this way. Uh, the, the whole premise that is that he plays an investigator who is uh, in 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 a, in, a, in a New York, I think, is and and he has to solve cases. But every time he has to solve cases, he is brought uh, a new partner, and the partner is played by a real life person as themselves. So the first partner he has to pair up with is Conan O'Brien, ah. and. The way it works is everybody else has a script except the guest. So the guest comes on and tries to play along and figure out what's happening with the murder as well. And then they have to try and figure out the questions to ask and, and this and that. And as you can tell, uh, and if, if it's Conan O'Brien, he's going to get it to this some shenanigans. Uh, but mm -hmm. there, there is uh, underlying it all is it's, it's great comedy. It's just ridiculous, first of all, that people are improvising lines around a whole murder thing. But it's called Murderville. And it's on uh, on Netflix. Yeah, the it sounds like a big ripoff of "Thank God You're Here." It might be. Is that a UK, is that a UK program? I, was, I, was I actually it was Australian. It was Australian. Well, I know the Australian one. I don't know if there was another one. Yeah, but it was an Australian it's... one where basically the guest would come into a scene and they wouldn't know why they're dressed as Robin Hood, but they would then walk in and and the first <laughs> line that the whole set would say is. <gasps> Thank God you're here. Oh, God, you're you're here. The thing. And they're like, right. <laughs> and they right. finally figured out who they are. And then they sort of interview them afterwards as they fumble their way through the disaster. Yeah. Everybody else has the script and the plot and they know what's going to happen. So uh -oh. this, this sounds a little bit different from that, but I, I I know that it's based on some British show, which I can't, I don't have more details to give you, but Murderville. Uh, and the podcast oh, that I would like you to, to if you, if you can uh, check it out, uh, is from the producers of Serial. So you know it's going to be a long story. Uh, but in eight episodes, it tells you the story of the Trojan horse uh, letter or, or Trojan horse. Uh, 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 the exact word is wrong. Uh, it's not here. But it, it's, it's, it's something that, was, that began in the UK. Uh, it was an unsigned letter. It was, uh, it, it, was the, the, the middle, it was the middle pages of a letter that allegedly talked about how there was a Muslim plan to invade uh, the school system and the the, the women, the hearts and minds, and all that kind of stuff, and all that. And uh, it's a it's it's a it's really a fascinating uh, podcast. So it's you, you'll find it through association by look, look, uh, look do a search for serial and do a search for um, for Trojan Horse, and it should come up. I think if you just type in Trojan Horse serial podcast, you'll probably get the the name of it. Let me just do that when I do that. <laughs> All right, that sounds good. Tim? Uh, I came up with the Trojan Horse Affair. Yeah, that will be it. All right, cool. Tackles Islamophobia hoax in UK schools. Yeah, it's a really, really uh, – it's it's one of those podcasts where you – you, you you shout at someone and you go like how how can this how can this be happening uh but it, it did oh, happen it's quite incredible because of freedom of speech big round circle there um i yeah f for me i had um there was a couple of weeks with no football so i i i was sort of having withdrawal symptoms <laughs> so i turned on ted lasso which I think you recommended. Somebody recommended. Yeah, that's and, uh, I watched. I watched two series within two days, so it was like yeah. twenty-two episodes. I, I, I don't binge. I haven't binged. <laughs> I don't know when the last time I actually binged like that was, but I kind of loved the whole experience of the binge. And then I liked it so much, and then I, I, 
I told my wife, you know, just watch three episodes. Hmm. And and we got through five. That was, for me, that was the second viewing of it. Um, and before we had to go to bed, because then you know, it was two in the morning at that particular point. <laughs> but but I I really liked it. I mean, I, I just thought it was great. And then I found out that there's a third series, but uh, a friend of mine seemed to have watched in Australia, but I can't I can't see it here. Of Ted yeah, Lasso. I don't think we got it yet. It's just it's uh, just lovely, right? It's just you know, and all the characters like um, the female. Uh, Owner of the club. Yeah, yeah, she's great. I just love her. All of them. All <laughs> and, the then, and then great. and the PR girl, right? And yeah, yeah, it's just, it's just, yeah, beautiful humanity, complexity of, you know, we're all a bit weird, right? Yep. Yeah. But I, but I like, I like his his values were, you know, he was like, for him, it wasn't about winning or losing; it was about developing people to be the best version of themselves. Yeah. And through that, they would win the game, sort of thing. That was kind of his idea. Of course, the other coach was like, "It's about winning," uh, yeah. but uh, <laughs> but it, yeah, I, I don't know. It's a, it's a real feel good piece with lots yeah. of lovely complexities, and I don't know. I just really liked it. Yeah, I, I, I spoke to a friend of mine in in Australia. Um, you know, Joe. Uh, I spoke to Justin, and he mm. goes, "Yeah, he just kind of wanted to punch Ted Lasso after a while." <laughs> it was it's sort of sick of the over overly optimisticness of it, but I loved it. I, I yeah, just it was really, nice, right? Refreshing. It was really nice. Was really nice. <laughs> Enough cynicism we can do with an optimist, right? Yeah, uh, it, was, it was nice. <laughs> and it also right. made me really want to go to England because you know just the little cobblestone yeah. streets with the pubs with the flowers outside and all that sort of stuff. I was just like, what the? Yeah, I miss that. Yeah, so. yeah, I'm with you. All right, guys. I reckon we should uh, wrap it up. We're over over the two hour mark, but um, <laughs> thanks, thanks for um, being open to having the chat around freedom of speech. I know it's because you know it's it's not necessarily something people feel particularly comfortable talking about because you know everyone knows how contentious it is. But I think it's important to talk about these things. And every every negative story for me that breaks is an opportunity for conversation, and it's the opportunity for conversation that creates change. So, you know, like I know a lot of people really push back on those big stories, even Madonna, right, that example. Every conversation is the beginning of a, is, is, is everything new is the beginning of a conversation and conversations are what creates change and let's not be scared of that but also look around the whole story, not, not just at one part. Um, so, yeah, I'll be uploading this on the podcast as quickly as I can and thanks, guys. Thanks very I much, we, man. Uh, We've we got Pravin coming next week. Oh, that'll be a laugh. Yeah, yeah. The man that'll with the greatest be, laugh on the planet. Excitement. You want bubbly yeah. excitement, don't miss next week's show then. Yeah, no, it'd be awesome. I don't know what our theme is yet. I'll, I'll, I'll get that nailed down with him soon. But, yeah, thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. See ya. Bye-bye. See you, everyone. The No Show. They talk about the week. No Show. What's happening in our streets. No Show. They'll help you understand all the latest issues going on in the land. Making sense of what's going on about the latest news affecting everyone. No show. They talk about the week. No show. What's happening in our streets. No show. No show.